0: How the Saints walked the line between efficient and complementary offense to defensive line dominated the Tampa Bay offense by being simply unpredictable. And where the New Orleans Saints fit within the playoff picture before we're joined by WWL's Brooke Kirchhoff to talk about the Saints win against the Bucs and look ahead to the Miami Dolphins. We have all of that and a little bit of yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints.
1: You are locked on Saints. Your daily New Orleans Saints podcast Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into to another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks, as always, for making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day. Don't forget that we're free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube as well. And I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson NOLA on Twitter, Canal Street Chronicles, Locked On NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked On Saints. And today's episode of Locked On Saints is brought to you by Stance Apparel. Stance believes that the perfect fit is more important than fitting in. So enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with So I want to start off today's Wednesday episode taking a look at three big takeaways from our film study, one on offense, one on defense, and one on special teams. We'll start off over on offense in this one, getting the breakdown, this nine to zero shutout of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We always talk a bit when it comes to this game about the defense, but the offense did some things right. They didn't do a lot of things well, but they did some things right. So let's talk about that. Taysom Hill And the Saints offense weren't very efficient, all told, when it came to their win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but they were complimentary. So there's a big conversation going on right now about, did the Saints offense help? Did Taysom Hill help? Did they lift enough in order for the Saints to get their win? Or was it really all the defense? And I think it's hard for it to be all the defense, because if the offense didn't possess the ball for as much as they did, then you're giving Tampa Bay a lot of opportunities over on that offensive side to be able to come back or, you know, you only had a nine point deficit. So it wasn't that big of a mountain for the Tampa Bay offense to climb if they were able to get in advantageous situations. And that's where the New Orleans Saints got things right on offense. The Saints offense technically lost time of possession, but it was only 29 minutes and 44 seconds to Tampa's 30 minutes and 16 seconds. So effectively a 16 or 32 second difference, depending upon how you look at it. So the Saints offense did what they needed to do there. They ran the clock out. Early on in the game, they were a little bit more aggressive, right? They took some shots downfield. You saw the great throw and catch from Taysom Hill to Marquis Callaway. You saw a couple of missed opportunities by Taysom Hill as well. The Texas or angle route out of the backfield from Alvin Kamara, a route to Aesop Winston that was open. There were some moments that they missed. And of course, they didn't really have a good time running the ball at all. Alvin Kamara, 11 carries for 18 yards in this game. Not a very good game in that area for them. But what they did well is that they simply didn't turn the ball over. The idea around efficient offense is what's pretty, right? Four five-yard gains in the run game, six seven-yard gains in the passing game on first and second down, big plays, things like that, big breakaway moments. You didn't see any of that from this New Orleans State's offense, at least outside of the first quarter where Marquise Calloway had 88 receiving yards. But then after they were done being aggressive early on and setting up those expectations and those tendencies, you saw the Saints really pull back both in the second quarter and then even more in the second half. Only 11 passes thrown in the second half, but 31 total runs throughout this game. The Saints shifted to ball control. Dennis Allen talked about it after the the game. It was pretty clear. Taysom Hill talked about it. That became the focus for the New Orleans Saints. They did a good job there because the idea there was, Don't turn the ball over. So even though they weren't efficient, even though they weren't productive, they were very complimentary and did what they needed to do in order to set up the defense to do what they needed to do on their side of the ball. So that brings us to our second takeaway over on the defensive side. The New Orleans Saints defensive line dominated Tampa Bay's offensive line by simply being unpredictable. Saints off defensive line shook things up a ton. And really, you can kind of lump it in as the front seven or front six in this one. We saw plays where Demario Davis, Quan Alexander, threatened, bluffed. They didn't bluff. They did come. I mean, you saw those blitzes come from the second level. You saw them show blitz, but then drop back into coverage. They kept that offensive line for Tampa off balance. And then they did a bunch of things that they've not done at all throughout the season. A lot of twists on the inside with defensive tackles, you know, blitzing over, or not blitzing, but rushing over one another, switching their paths. We saw the same thing with tackle to end as well as end to tackle stunts to where, you know, a tackle comes... You know, pushes his way to the outside, and a an end pushes his way to the inside. Right. One of the things that I really loved was the way that they used second level players to fool the Tampa Bay offensive line to either open up pathways for defensive linemen to get pressure, or can create enough confusion along the offensive line that it impacted the play and threw off Tom Brady's timing. One example of this came with Cam Jordan's first sack of the game. C.J. Um, Gardner Johnson was kind of. Threatening as a blitzer off the edge, he bluffed and dropped back into coverage. But because they know it's third down and the tendency for the Saints is to blitz CJ Gardner-Johnson off the edge, Tristan Wirfs, the Buck's right tackle, ends up pulling up and turning his attention to that side, waiting for CJ to come off of the come off of the edge. CJ drops back into coverage, which leaves Cam Jordan and right guard Alex Kappa for Tampa Bay one on one. Alex Kappa looks like he was expecting what's called a duo block, which is a guard and tackle double teaming and edge defender on the outside. He doesn't get that support over on the outside. And in that way, it ends up being that Cam Jordan just kind of swims over Alex Kappa's right shoulder and then gets right to Tom Brady. So that's one example of how they use those sort of second or third level players to create the confusion. One of my favorite moments in this one was uh, Cam Jordan and Carl Granderson both operating a stand up edge rushers, two point stance on the outside. And then you had both of the defensive tackles in the middle. In this one, it was Albert Huggins and Shai Tuttle. And then you had Demario Davis and Quan Alexander coming down from the second level, coming down from the linebacker spots and threatening as blitzers. They end up expecting the offensive line for Tampa that the Saints are going to bring either all four down linemen and one of those defense or one of those linebackers. The other one's going to bluff and drop back into coverage, or you know they're going to overload and try to bring everybody off the front six that way. In that instance, well, instead what the Saints do is that they end up dropping both Cam Jordan and Carl Granderson into coverage in the flats. They have both um, Albert Huggins and Shai Tuttle run the arc and come around as edge defenders after the snap. And then you have Demario Davis and Quan Alexander pushing on the interior. It created so much confusion on the Tampa Bay offensive line that Tom Brady just threw the ball to the outlet, which was Leonard Fournette, who could have had a really good opportunity there for yards after catch to pick up the first down. But on third down, Carl Granderson able to make the shoestring tackle to force the punt. These types of plays, these types of moments are things that you hope to see the New Orleans Saints continue to package and continue to find ways to make those blitz packages as exotic as they have been in that game, and then continue to fold that over throughout the rest of the season, but potentially on the way into the playoffs as well. And our final takeaway here, takeaway number three, Blake Gillikin deserves as much credit for this win as the Saints defense. This guy was absolutely outstanding. I'm going to look at how many punts he had. He punted nine times for 412 total punt yards in this one with a long of 58 and dropped four of those nine punts within the Tampa Bay 20. We talked about the Saints offense being complimentary by not turning the ball over and not giving the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense any complimentary field position. Well, in order for you to really continue to do that, in order for you to really see the benefits of that, you have to have a good special teams game and the Saints were absolutely on fire there and so was Blake Gilligan. Blake Gilligan ended up assisting the New Orleans Saints in such a way that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers only started 10 of their 13 drives at better than their own 25-yard line, and their average starting field position throughout this game was their own 20. They had three possessions that went beyond the 50-yard line and never ran a single play in the Saints red zone. And that's a combination of where they started the field position and how the defense held up. And then the Saints offense gets credit here too for playing that complimentary style, not turning the ball over, not making bad decisions, which comes down to Dennis Allen for making the decisions as well as Pete Carmichael for calling a good game. So that's the way that I look at it with my big takeaways from the New Orleans Saints win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You want to see the Saints offense be more complimentary and efficient in the future. I think you'll see that, especially if the offensive line can get healthy. The Saints defensive line should be able to continue to be unpredictable, especially because they have the potential of getting healthy as well. And then of course, Blake Gilligan Just continue to be yourself, buddy. All right, y'all, coming up next, we're going to take a look with the NFL's 15th week in the books, where the New Orleans Saints sit when it comes to the NFC playoff race, what they need to do, and where they might still need a little bit of help. We'll break it all down as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. And as they get closer and closer to the playoffs with the ultimate goal of maybe finding their way to the Super Bowl, who knows? Uh, Super Bowl 56 over at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles is less than 100 days Away, And our friends over at On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL, are hooking you up with a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket as well as experience package. You can check all of it out on their website. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about what you're going to be able to do here. You can select the exact seat that you're going to sit in. No getting stuck into a raffle or you know, getting stuck with nosebleed seats or obstructive view seats, none of that. You get to pick the seats that you're gonna sit in, and you're gonna also be able to choose from some elite experiences as well, including an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL Legends, five-star la hotels, and food prepared by the Great Wolf Gang Puck. If you want to check this out and learn more information, go and check out on location exp dot com slash SB five six or you can simply search Super Bowl on location. Once again, that's on location exp. com slash Super Bowl five six for more information or simply search Super Bowl on location. All right, Nation continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. And thanks, as always, for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day. Hey, for any LSU fans out there listening, make sure you check out Chris Gordy and the Locked on SEC podcast. He had an interview with former and then now again quarterback Miles Brennan, former slash returning LSU Tiger. Talked a little bit about what it was that brought him back to Baton Rouge and his thoughts on Brian Kelly as well. Some really, really good stuff. We're going to be joined by Brooke Herchoffer of WWL TV here in a moment. But first... I want to talk about the New Orleans Saints and where they rank within the NFC playoff race, what needs to go right for them in terms of what they have control over, and what needs to go right for them in terms of what they still need some help with, potentially. So right now, after the conclusion of all of the Week 15 games, the key games being the Minnesota Vikings winning over the uh, Chicago Bears, as well as the Philadelphia Eagles beating the you know, very, very much hampered Washington football team. Washington football team got out to an early 10 to 0 start. I thought, okay, there might be some hope here, but Philly ends up getting the win. So with that, the New Orleans Saints right now are ninth in the NFC, right? But they're tied all the way up to the final seed, right? The seventh seed in the playoffs, which is where the Minnesota Vikings currently sit. So The Minnesota Vikings are seventh and then the Miami, excuse me, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles are number eight. So the Saints find themselves behind both of them. They find themselves behind Philadelphia because of the fact that Philadelphia simply has a head-to-head win. They find themselves above or below Minnesota because Minnesota's right there with I mean, they're already eliminated from the three-way tiebreaker because of the head-to-head loss to Philly, but they also right now don't hold a tiebreaker over Minnesota because they're basically the same when it comes to conference win percentage. And Minnesota's up over Philly because of uh common opponent victories, which Minnesota also has over the New Orleans Saints, by the way. The Minnesota Vikings did beat the Carolina Panthers early on in the season. The Saints do have a win over the Green Bay Packers, however, so something to watch because when we look at the remaining schedule for the Minnesota Vikings, here's where the Saints could use some help. That's where the New Orleans Saints sit so far. Basically, the Saints' focus for themselves needs to be control their own destiny by winning out. If they can finish the season with 10 wins, they could probably simply win that seventh seed outright. They might even be able to challenge San Francisco for the sixth seed If San Francisco were to start to fall off at any point, but I don't know that they do. So the Saints focus needs to be on winning out. Minnesota, they have the Rams, the Packers, and the Bears left to go. So two tough games coming up against the Rams and Packers. If Minnesota were to drop both of those games, and that immediately puts the Saints, it really, if Minnesota drops either one of those games, if New Orleans can win out, then it puts them above Minnesota. But let's say Minnesota drops only one of those games, you'd want them to drop the game to the Packers as opposed to the game against the Rams. So something to watch there. But hey, you'll take a loss in both of those situations. And then Philly has the Giants-Washington football team who should be healthy in a couple of weeks, and then the Cowboys. So another potential two losses for Philly on the way to the Washington football team and the Dallas Cowboys, who I consider to be better teams than Philly. Some people might disagree, but I look at those, a full Washington football team and the Dallas Cowboys as being better. Than the Philadelphia Eagles, so for me, the Saints have a more winnable schedule in terms of what remains on their on their docket here. What's going to be challenging is that they close the season on two divisional games, which can always get kind of wild, weird, and wacky. But so too do the Minnesota Vikings and Philadelphia's actually got three divisional games left altogether. The NFL really backloaded divisional games a couple of years ago, started doing that to try to make sure that there was still some competition at the ends of seasons and and all of that. So something really to watch here will be how Minnesota and Philly finish out their seasons along with how New Orleans finishes out their season. If New Orleans can win out, they should be okay. If they drop one game, then they run into you know some potential tiebreaker scenarios with Minnesota and Philadelphia, and then potentially the Washington football team can climb back up into the conversation, all of that. So that's the big thing. New Orleans still very much has their two losses away from having a losing season, basically. So As long as they're able to get to the point where they finish up with a winning season, potentially finish up with double digit wins, they should be in control of their own destiny. That's the only place that they might need some help is if they drop a couple of games. But for the Saints who have the Dolphins, the Packers, excuse me, the Dolphins, the Panthers and the Falcons left, ideally, they should be able to win out here. They have three very winnable games ahead. So to help us break down a little bit and give us a little bit of an early look at that Miami Dolphins game, we're going to be joined tomorrow by Kyle Krabs of Locked on Dolphins. But today we're going to be joined by Brooke Kirchhoffer, who's going to help us look ahead to that game, as well as continue to recap that Tampa Bay Bucks win or that win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and take a look at C.J. Gardner-Johnson as well. Before we get to that, some interesting and fun news coming across a news wire here that I want to make sure you're up to date on. Uh, New Orleans Saints defensive end Cam Jordan selected as the NFC defensive player of the week. Had a fantastic week. In Tampa Bay and very deserving of this award. Had five tackles, two sacks, three hits on the quarterback, two tackles for a loss, and a forced fumble. Absolutely filled the stat sheet. Looks like he just needed a week at home to sit, boil, and be angry about not playing, and then all of a sudden he showed up and took it all out on Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Certainly would love to see that tenacity and that uh, disruption continue here as the Saints look to close out this offense or this offense, this season strong, particularly over on the defensive side. All right, getting to Brick Kirchhoff for WWL TV here in just a moment as we continue on with today's episode of Locked On Saints. But first, uh look, it's the holiday season. The New Orleans Saints, they're looking to get healthy. Maybe you're looking to make some more healthy decisions as well, along while still enjoying your holiday treats. So, why don't you expand your repertoire a little bit with a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar? These Built Bars give you the best of both worlds. They're healthy and they're delicious and they're the perfect size for some stocking stuffers as well. So go ahead and check them out over at built.com. They're going to give you all that extra fuel that you need and a lot of people are very passionate about their favorite flavors. I'm a mint brownie guy, very much like the peanut butter brownie as well, but some folks also like the the fruit and chocolate blends because every one of these bars is covered in 100% chocolate along with your favorite flavors. So you can check out all of your favorite built bars over at built.com. And you can also get in on some of that marshmallowy goodness as well with the built puff bars, get all of that holiday marshmallow deliciousness going on as well. And don't forget that we have an exclusive offer for you here through the Locked On Podcast Network. Go to built.com, and use the promo code LOCKED15, L O C K E D 1 5, so you can get 15% off of your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, everybody, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. It is WWL Wednesday, joined today by Brooke Kirchoffer. You can find her on Twitter at Brooke Chesney and, of course, over at WWL TV. Brooke, thanks, as always, for being here with us.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Ross.
0: Absolutely. Look, there's a lot of, uh, well, there's one word that I can think of when it comes to these New Orleans Saints after the 9-0 to shutout over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and it's confidence. I imagine the confidence must be overwhelming around the New Orleans Saints right now.
1: Absolutely, especially when it comes to the, I know we don't want to talk too much about the offensive performance because it was kind of (laughs) lacking, but how does that not boost them as they're going now into a Monday night game against the Miami Dolphins? I imagine Alvin Kamara, Taysom Hill are wanting to just elevate their game based on what they saw from the Saints defensive performance in Tampa Bay. My goodness, by far the best defensive performance we've seen from the Saints collectively all year, you shut out one of the greatest in Tom Brady. You rattle him so much that he is throwing things on the <laughs> sideline. C.J. Gardner-Johnson is all in his face. You pick him off almost twice. Of course, the first one, Marshall mm-hmm. Nottimore, did not count. But just what they were able to do to this offense, completely keep them out of the red zone. They never got past. I think it was either the 21 or 23-yard 23 or 23 mm-hmm. line just completely impressive and a team that was coming in very much depleted on offense. And even in the right, coaching right. staff, missing Sean Payton, I think this by far was them stepping up for the team and maybe a little extra juice with Dennis Allen as the head coach.
0: For sure. Now, look, you mentioned him, right? CJ Garner Johnson. Uh, we talk about confidence. Is there anybody that exudes confidence more than this guy? We talked about how much of a boost it was going to, to have him back ahead of the Jets game. Now we look at this, or coming out of the Jets game, now we look at this and see the way that he performed against Tampa. You got to love having that energy back on the defense.
1: Absolutely. You know, statistically, it speaks for itself, leading the team in tackles. Of course, the huge interception that just Mm kind of put the nail in the coffin for the Bucs when really, when it's a nine nothing score, you're always in the game, right? And the one field goal, Brett Maher, it looked like he pulled it a little bit, but it went (laughs) back. I mean, You miss that field goal. It's another ball game in the fourth quarter. But with CJ Gardner Johnson able to just come in and get that pick, it's such a big deal. And people don't really realize how much of uh, I'll keep it PG, a bad talker, crap talker, a little bit of a nuisance. (laughs) Yeah, he is in games because when he we get him in on the podium, we want to. We always ask him, like, what were you saying, or what happened in this encounter, and he's. He just doesn't really acknowledge it. Like, maybe we need to get him mic'd up, like he tweeted out earlier uh, today. I would love to hear that. But no, he just brings a level to this defense that really brings out why they're called the Juice Boys, right? And mm-hmm. why they have coined that term. And when you can, tra- and he's also giving a lot of the credit, though, to the Saints front seven and the defensive line able to disrupt and get after Tom Brady. They're pretty much playing loose in the secondary because of what their front seven is able to do. And I think he really thrives in that setting, but also can come in and be someone that will even have a sack. I believe he had a sack last year coming Mm -hmm. all the way back from the nickel spot. And it's just like, what is What? Like that's not something you typically hear or see in games from that type of defensive player By far, a huge boost getting him back, like you mentioned, before the Jets game or after the Jets game.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, he's he's one of the most versatile pieces you're going to find on an NFL defense these days, one of the best at what he does. And, you know, you mentioned his credit to the defensive line. We, We highlighted earlier in today's episode about how unpredictable the Saints defensive line was. And a lot of that comes down to not only Ryan Nielsen, but also Dennis Allen, right? Dennis Allen, defensive coordinator, who also stepped into the role of head coach in place of Sean Payton, who was unable to be a part of this game. How much did Dennis Allen really help his future case with winning this game?
1: Well, don't tell Cameron Jordan that. He
0: absolutely,
1: (laughs) after the game was, I am not talking good about my coach. I want to keep him here. No, but I mean, it just does speak to... What he brings to a team, not just as a defensive quarter, coordinator, but as you mentioned, we got to see him in that role of making the big time decisions. And he even said in his uh, pregame speech that he was going to be, you know, making those in-game decisions as far as going forward on fourth down, two-point conversions, things like that. And I'm sure people, when you just watch the game, they're thinking, well, the guy calling the offensive plays is making those calls. No, it was not Pete Carmichael. It's Dennis Allen working in conjuncture with him. And you see him on the sidelines. He's still having to manage so many other things as far as the defense goes. So it's really impressive to see him calm, cool, and collected against that offense. I mean, bear in mind, they did have some serious injuries with Godwin, Evans, and Fournette going down Mm -hmm. in the game, but you still have to manage Tom Brady, and he did it just as good as I've ever seen in Tom Brady's playing career.
0: Absolutely. Now, these New Orleans Saints taking all of that momentum from that game, the win in Tampa Bay, they now turn their attention to the Miami Dolphins on Monday, so get a little bit of an extra, extra time there expectations around injuries, things like that? What are some of the big storylines that Saints fans should be aware of heading into this upcoming matchup?
1: Well, I think at this point in the season, we still don't know this offense's identity, which is really disappointing, but it's kind of not their fault. You lose your starting quarterback, you lose Michael Thomas. I mean, truly, I know it's at this point in the season, it's not something people want to hear or talk about, but I mean, it is so crucial some of the injuries they've had you still don't have your left tackle and your right tackle and then you find out tight end Jawan Johnson is now on COVID protocol so Mm -hmm. he will be gone and who knows if there is any fallout from that if any other guys were around him in the tight end room you just got Adam Troutman back which bear in mind he did have that huge drop in the game definitely not his best game coming back but with an offense that is already so depleted and Taysom Hill we kind of know who he is we know what he can do of course he's a gamble for the Saints when it comes to his playing ability and if a defense can figure him out and like stuff him in the run game and force him to throw. We know what can happen in those type of settings in those games. Right. I don't think the Miami Dolphins are that team. I think the Saints uh, can easily get a win Monday night, especially if you welcome Sean Payton back. Mm-hmm. And if Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram stay healthy again, Marquez Callaway. It was really great to see him kind of break out of his shell in Tampa Bay. Maybe we'll see Traquan Smith break out of his shell a little bit more too. I don't know. It's Again, it's just the big question mark around this offense that they really haven't clicked yet. They haven't found an identity yet, which is so concerning because let's say they do get into the playoffs. Who knows what they're going to look like once they're eventually into the playoffs because I think what we're looking at right now is just the offense that it's going to be. I'm not sure it has much room more to evolve unless – Alvin Kamara just does something outstanding and outrageous in a game. But with that, you have to get your left and right tackle back.
0: Yeah, big time. And hey, one more game and then Deontay Harris is back on this offense too. And so maybe a little bit of extra dynamic that comes with that. It's going to be a very, very fun game. If this New Orleans Saints defense continues to play the way that it played over the past couple of weeks, then, you know, hey, they might be able to overcome some things when it comes to the offense. But you're right, playoff football is a whole different territory.
1: Well, you get some of the scoring defense going and then it's that's a there whole nother go. conversation. But <laughs> I, I think the Saints are due a pick six or two.
0: Let's make that happen. Go ahead and spread that out over a couple of games, though. Don't, don't wear it all out in one contest. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the
1: playoffs.
0: Yes, absolutely. Brooke, we appreciate you so much, as always, for coming through here on Lockdown on Saints. Make sure you're checking her out on Twitter at Brooke Chesley, And of course, with our friends over at WWL TV, we'll see you again here soon. Thanks, Ross. All right, family, thank you once again to Brooke Kirchhoff for WWL-TV for joining us. And a big thank you to you for tuning in for another episode of Locked on Saints. We'll be back tomorrow with our crossover Thursday episode. Kyle Krabs of Locked on Dolphins coming through as the Saints and we begin to turn our attention to the Monday night matchup between the New Orleans Saints and the Miami Dolphins. We're going to have an extra Friday episode this week because the game isn't until Monday. So we're going to have a little bit of holiday fun, talk about what the New Orleans Saints would want under their Christmas tree. So if you have any ideas, make sure that you send them over to me as well so I can get those included. So we've got all that coming up for you here throughout the rest of the week on Locked on Saints. We appreciate you as always for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day. Don't forget for your second listen to go and check out the Locked on Bets podcast. Win yourselves some money with your boy Q and handicapping expert, Lee. Sterling. Thanks as always, y'all. And for everything that you need about these New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you mom and them and trust you, that nation. I'll holla at you.